On today's pod, Aswa returns with Stephen, Valeria, and Samantha to chat about online learning, learning strategies, and how online learning has evolved from the beginning of COVID. They also spend some time chatting about how online learning might be able to improve by both professors and students. So please lean in and enjoy this conversation with Aswa, Stephen, Valeria, and Samantha. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. My name is Aswa, and I'm a third year biology student. And today I have three very wonderful people joining me for a discussion on online learning that you're probably already familiar with because they've been on the pod. But if not, let's have some introductions. Hey, everyone. My name is Steven. I'm a second year biomedical student. Uh, My name is Valeria. I'm a third year biomedical student. And I'm Samantha, and I am in my fourth year of Biomed. Thank you so much for joining me today, guys. Thank you for having us. I love doing these. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. It's a little chat we get to have for a while. Yeah, it's great to be here. So I want you to think back to seven months ago. I know it's really far away, but seven months ago to the day we went into quarantine, and you discovered um, Ryerson sent out a message saying that everything's going to go online. What were your initial thoughts, your feelings, um, just your general opinions? So I remember this. I, I, I yeah, I remember this like exactly how it went because um, I was on a bus to where was it Ottawa for a school event, uh, Ontario Science Games, and the whole time we're like, yo, can we even go to the games? Because like lockdowns happening schools going online and stuff and it was like in the middle of the bus ride and windsor was there too with our school and like when we read the email that was going online we started going crazy and we we're like yeah we're gonna like we're gonna pass all our quizzes we're gonna like <laughs> get 4.33s this semester and stuff and um i can i can assure you that that energy died down really quickly throughout the semester but <laughs> oh, no. that's pretty much how it went for us so when I saw that announcement from Ryerson. I was actually out for brunch with my friend after writing a midterm for physiology. And if anybody knows, physiology is like the death course of biomass. I was in that midterm. I remember that morning from 8 to 10, we had that midterm. <laughs> and I was so upset because yeah. I was like, are and you joking? We just wrote the midterm. Everyone was messaging her the night before too, is this midterm going to happen? because it seems like we're going into lockdown soon. She was like, no, we're having the midterm tomorrow. <laughs> like, okay, so I show up at 8 a.m. ready to take this midterm. Yeah, continue. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you're joking. I just wrote this midterm. Why didn't they close us at eight? Like, what is happening? But um, no, I guess afterwards I was just sort of like, oh, this is great. I get to stay at home and sleep in. But then that mood changed pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> like Steven said. Yeah. yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of a lot of things about physiology. It's just very content heavy. If you study enough, then you'll get a decent grade, but it's just hard. It's just a lot of studying. <laughs> but uh, I remember the day so clearly. I remember it was Friday the 13th. And I'm not even superstitious, <laughs> but that just feels wrong. Oh, uh, and I remember that for the midterm too. I was like, who has a midterm on this day? It's just cursed. I remember that entire day I was just running around though. I had uh, my midterm from eight to 10. I got up at like 
five 5.30 because I had to look good that day for a meeting that I had. And so I needed some extra time to like put myself together and then to also mm-hmm. study before I went to my midterm. And then I got to my midterm, I left my midterm. I went to a cell biology lecture where Robert Patello, uh, I love the guy and he was <laughs> he was saying like, oh, this seems like it might be being blown a bit out of proportion, but I don't know, listen to like the doctors. I, uh, he was like, it seems like it's kind of a, just a type of flu. Like, and that was the kind of rhetoric that I was still kind of believing at the time. Like, yeah, like it's just a little bit like a worse version of the flu. This will be over in like a month, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. As I thought, and it was funny. Half of that lecture was just talking about the pandemic, especially in cell biology, like and how viruses are related to cell biology. It was kind of, it was just a really weird lecture, and we were talking about it, and we had just gotten the announcement while in class from Ryerson that school was shutting down, and he said, "Oh yeah, we're probably still gonna have our midterm next week." <laughs> and hopefully this isn't our last class and I'll see you two weeks from now. Um, but yeah, and then <laughs> afterwards I went directly to a meeting, uh, which was supposed to be about something else entirely. And the entire meeting was about COVID. Uh, and then how I could, like they were limiting personnel to the lab. And so I basically lost my lab position for the summer because of COVID. And then like for that, the rest of that semester and for COVID, and then after that, I had some other interview on the phone for some tutoring company. And then I went straight to a friend's, like I went straight to a friend's and I hung out with them for a while. And then I got home kind of late. And that was my last time having that kind of day where I was out and about because all of second year, that was kind of my life. I was just always on the go. And so it was mm-hmm. so weird the first week of quarantine because I was just sat at home for the first time. Because even during the winter break, I picked up a lot of extra shifts at the Starbucks that I used to work at because I just wanted money. So <laughs> I was like, yeah. if anybody, I'm done with school now. If anybody wants an extra shift, like wants me to take an extra shift, I want money. Give it to me. So that was <laughs> super weird. Uh, I remember um, to have to sit down for an entire week and not do anything. And now it's seven, six, seven months later. I'm still doing the same thing, but I've just grown more accustomed to it. And I also remember I had to cancel plans to go to the gym next week. I had plans to go to the movies next week. So it was just, I remember that day being so full and stressful. And I also had a cough at the time and I had checked before and it wasn't COVID, but everybody was looking at me really funny on the subway whenever. I <laughs> it's memory. so funny that you mentioned that because I remember like I was also in lecture when we got the announcement and we were like, is there any point in studying this? Like the prof did not want to continue. She's like, I, I feel like I should just let you guys go um, because classes aren't being online. And then I had like, I take the subway home, right? And I just remember being so like super like aware of people around me that I wouldn't have been before. And so like people coughing and stuff. And I was like, um, should I be concerned? I don't, I don't have a mask or something. Yeah. And, and feeling like I should have been wearing a mask or not touching the railings as much as you usually would have. Like I, yeah. I still always put my sleeve at least over the railings. Cause I just never like touching them. Uh, but 
yeah, exactly. It was just a atmosphere, especially when you were out in public and somewhere crowded, you could feel the tension. It was so odd. That yeah, was like and I was properly outside, <laughs> you know. It's so weird because, like, the day before the announcement went up, they were like, "Oh, you're gonna be fine. Just wash your hands." Yeah, yeah, right? I remember that. Just, yeah. Like, wash your hands often. Like, like, sing the ABCs or whatever. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> I think I think it's a little more than that, but. <laughs> I, I think I was in denial for at least the first two weeks and was thinking, was hoping more that uh, things weren't as serious as they seemed to be. And then two weeks afterwards, when cases started going up, I was like, oh, so this is a thing like that we're going to have to deal with for a while then. <laughs> and yeah. now we're in October, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it doesn't help that, like, Ryerson had, like, two opposite extreme opinions like within two days you know yeah. that kind of yeah for sure i think that's always been troubling with the with the news is uh how how things were going in the beginning and like obviously COVID is a huge concern but i think at the same time it's um you know there's a certain limit to how much anxiety and concern you can put on people <laughs> To yeah. the point, mm -hmm. it's like, like oh, I know people who are super paranoid, like, they won't eat outside food, they won't, like, even now, like, now, seven months later, when a lot of things are reopening and stuff, they are, like, super paranoid, like, wearing masks in their car with people they live with and stuff like that, and I'm just like, bro. Because <laughs> I think that it's not good to live in fear, it's just good to be cautious. Exactly. Like, I, I don't really, I don't see the point in eating out just because if I, if I don't have to, then what's no, the for sure. Like, I won't die, but I'll get takeout or. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's like what I mean. Like getting takeout and bringing it home or something like that. They won't like let outside food in their house yeah. <laughs> or outside people in their house. But yeah, I was talking to my uh, abuela about it and about how some people now are even scared to go to the doctor and mm -hmm. uh, we were saying how it's very important to be cautious and to not be stupid about this kind of thing. Make sure you're doing your social distancing, wearing a mask when it's necessary, washing your hands, all the stuff you're told to do, stuff that has been proven to work to help. But you can't live in constant fear either. Exactly. Exactly. It's not healthy. It's not. Yeah, it's like definitely not. Especially if there's conflicting viewpoints, it's it's oh, an extreme that, to uh, an, like the when there's an extreme so to yeah. like a person who's yeah, I'm being super cautious. Yeah, I'm taking all the necessary precautions and more. You know, and then there's an extreme individual <laughs> who's like, no, you're not. It's just I think this and I think the thing with COVID and it was a learning thing is how to handle those stressful environments when there was a lot of fear too, in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I want to bring the conversation back to online learning. Prior to this year, did you ever consider taking a course online or like um, taking a semester online? Was that ever something that you thought about? Or was it just, you know, it was forced upon you in March because there was no choice and you've just been like going with the flow? Um, well, I was taking actually a music course online for the semester of winter 2020. So I was already taking one course online just because I thought it would be better in terms of 
not having to come to campus as much or just being able to be more flexible with my time. Uh, so I did that. That was kind of weird and I felt very detached from the professor. Uh, but I think that's also just the way the course was run. So yeah, I did take one class before online, but I never expected that all my classes would end up being online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never took a course online, mainly because I know myself and I know how to be as productive as possible. So being online for me is like, if I were, I considered it because either way at the time I was going downtown on campus every day to study, even if I had one or two classes that may not have been mandatory. I think I even had a day off last year and I still went downtown because being at home, <clears throat> you're in a whole different environment and mm -hmm. it's it's hard to to focus for me personally. And I know if I had a course online it, at the time, I would not have been able to manage it and stay on top of it when I'd have to be home for that course or I'd have to be elsewhere. And I think that's just that's just that could be a personal thing. I yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I'm probably with that too. Me too. Like I was in, because uh, I was in first year when it all happened, so I haven't taken anything online yet, and I was on res too. And then I was like, hey, if people are social distancing, that means no like really loud parties going on. And I was like, hey, this can go pretty well, couldn't it? And then um, as as things as my COVID routine came by, it it I really showed myself that um, I really couldn't do like online semesters. I was I was ready to do like online courses, but like not a whole semester. That's perfect because I was, my next question is now, fast forward back to the present. Um, do you find that you're like, how are you feeling currently? And do you feel like any, your opinions have changed? Do you feel more comfortable with online courses or is it the same? Oh man, like, well, like the change in like my thoughts about online learning, like changed like a million times throughout the whole like what like seven months now or something like at first i was like super lazy i was just like opening my laptop for like the first 10 minutes of, of the lecture i was like i'll just read it later or something because i procrastinate really well i'm really good at that um <laughs> but then um it changed when i got back home because i live in hamilton now while well, i've always lived here with my parents and stuff mm -hmm. and um that's when i was taking my summer course and i also piled on some other projects and stuff so I, I think I kind of just like forced myself to like get better at it. Obviously I took like different um, steps to like changing my environment, which I'm sure we're gonna talk about later. But yeah, mm -hmm. it changed like a million times and like it was it was all because of like how I worked in school versus like how I am in, like in real life. I just procrastinate really well, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess now my opinion hasn't changed. <laughs> I don't excel in online learning. And I think, I don't mean in the in the stance of a GPA. Like, I think I mean more so in understanding the concepts being taught and being able to, to ask questions and get the clarification is just not there anymore. That aspect has sort of disappeared from courses. And it's, especially when you're in heavier programs, it, it's been, it's a lot to do things on your own and in a, an environment that's not your work environment. And like Steven said, obviously there's, you, you adapt to the situation. And I've 
sort of worked through the summer trying to figure out what would work for me. How do I plan my days? And thinking about how to really optimize the situation for myself because um, there's I'm not home alone. I'm not in a quiet environment all the time. Yeah, you know I have siblings, and I think. I would not want to do a semester again online, but unfortunately, <laughs> we have to for winter, uh, which kind of sucks. But, you know, there's not much we can do about it. It's just the way it went. But, yeah, my opinion hasn't changed of online courses. I don't think they're the right path for me. Yeah. Uh, I feel somewhere in the middle. I think it's very much sink or swim like you either learn it or you're gonna have to take a semester off or a year off and like that. because I, I was honestly considering it for a second and thinking maybe i could find a job and just save up for this whole year but i do find that i always study best outside of my house and i would deliberately go to cafes or a library even on my days off so that I could study. Mm -hmm. And it's just been weird having to transition to online learning because I've had to teach myself how to focus when there's so many distractions around me. And I think that's still an issue for me is that at home, there's so many distractions. I have a baby sister that she always wants to play. And how do you say no to that face? How do you <laughs> and there's always there's always something to do. You could clean, you could do this, that versus when you're in a library or at a cafe or at school, there's only really one thing to do in that study. You don't have all those external distractions. Uh, and it's also been a challenge organizing my time or feeling like I'm able to have time off because if you're not changing your environment, then your brain doesn't really make that connection of like work versus school. Uh, so the only thing that I found helps a lot with that is just trying to do as much work as I can, like at my desk and never taking my work to my bed because I don't really have like a separate room where I could study. But uh, I think it's been a challenge for everybody, for professors included, because like, have you been on a Zoom call and the professor just seems like they're begging for some response or for some engagement? And it's just not the same as in person, but at the same time, I, I kind of, I don't mind the lack of commute because that has given me extra time to sleep. It's given me so much sleep, but <laughs> so that's a pro that I will say, but the con is like Samantha said that you have to teach yourself a lot of things and it's just not as engaging. And also as an extrovert, I just miss seeing people on a day-to-day -day basis. So I find mm -hmm. myself drawn to um, social media and stuff a lot more and being distracted by that more than I would have during the normal school school year because it's just my main source of interaction outside of my family now and I hate that but it is how it is and again sink or swim you just gotta do it or else you would need to take a year off or just accept exactly so I see that there's two common themes coming up there's professors and there's like creating an environment. And we don't really have much control over what our professors are um, doing. So I want to ask, like, how has your relationship with your professor been? And do you feel like you can accurately judge like their emotions or personality 
online versus like when you were there in person for a lecture? I think it's it depends on how it's being delivered. So like obviously with the um, asynchronous ones, they're just recording it and stuff. So you don't you don't have that connection anymore with them unless you like come in for office hours and ask questions and stuff. But obviously there's like a different schedule for that. Um, but then for the synchronous ones, I like for the courses that I'm taking, I believe that all my profs are taking as much um, effort as they can into them. Like trying to get responses from students, trying to get comments from them, their thoughts and like their emotions towards things and stuff. And um, I think like obviously we do lose that like person to person connection and stuff. And that's something that mm -hmm. I personally really miss because like I, I personally didn't really talk to the prof that much, like even in person. But then just like having like their presence there was like more than enough to like keep me engaged, more than engaged in that home. Because um, it's much more different than having that like innate um like natural response to having a person in front of you versus like a screen those are like my thoughts towards that yeah i think it really depends on the professor and like steven said the way the course is being taught you know certain professors too as you it, as you proceed in your university uh career you'll notice that some professors are very very much out there with their personality you know they don't hold anything back in the classroom and they sort of uh, translate that way to online learning as well even if they have pre-recordings um you know there's there's certain professors that you just sort of know from from watching their videos or they'll talk about certain things but you know with the with the asynchronous courses it is hard to like get to know a professor it's hard to make those connections and and uh, you know, understand them as a person as well. And I think mm -hmm. that aspect gets sort of lost in translation from from the in-person to online. It's like part of what makes in-person more, more influential and engaging is the aspect of, like Steven said, having that person in front of you, having that interaction directly and also being surrounded by your peers in that setting as well versus being on your laptop in your bedroom doing your schoolwork. Yeah, definitely. I, I used to always study with friends. And so that was a big thing for me was learning to study by myself more. Not that I never did study by myself, but I just wasn't as accustomed to it. And it was harder for me to keep myself accountable. And I would agree with what both Samantha and Steven said about how it really depends on the way the course is delivered. I really, really enjoy when professors do live lectures because it also helps me keep on track because if it's asynchronous mm -hmm. and you can do it whenever, I'm much more likely to put it off. I think that's, even if you're not typically a person that procrastinates, I think that that's just true of most people. It's a lot easier to put it off or to do things that are more need your more immediate attention at that specific time. But at the same time, that's it, it's a good and a bad thing because let's say for a midterm I was studying for this past week, I was able to do my lecture on the weekend after the midterm and use those extra maybe two hours to study. So again, pros and cons, but I do miss being able to actually talk to someone in person and be able to see their body language and their expression. And also networking is just the most difficult thing now because it's all online and it's much more difficult to make someone remember you if you're just 
a disembodied voice or if you're just mm -hmm. a head on the screen even. So would everyone on this call say that they are extroverted or introverted? 100% extroverted. Like I get so much of my personal energy from like other people too. Mm -hmm. um and like the way that i express things is just very like like i need i need to be loud i need to like be able to move around and stuff and like not be confined in an area and um it's just been really difficult because like who do i talk to i mean um like for context i am an only child so i've always like um like talk to myself whenever i'm bored and stuff and like that's how i like uh voice my thoughts kind of thing mm -hmm. but it's just not the same when you're not around other people and stuff right like um especially like after class, before class, like even the, the, the 10 minutes before class started and stuff, um, like that, I missed that a lot because like that's how I got my energy for the lecture, like just talking to friends around there. Um, if the prof came in, if they like talked about anything else. And uh, I think with that energy, like just going forward, like I, I personally really miss it. It's not that mm -hmm. I like I have to, I need it to survive, but it's just something that mm -hmm. I am having a little difficulty adapting to. I am finding my ways and stuff, but um, I think for me, expressing is the most important thing in my life, and it's been pretty difficult so far. Yeah. No, I, it's I the, the, sorry. You go ahead. Thank you. I just want to say that's such a good point. Um, I haven't, like, I hadn't thought about that, like, the time before class where everyone was just, like, mingling in the hall before even, like, entering the lecture hall, and now, like, everyone just joins the Zoom call, and then the professor just starts talking about like the lesson today there isn't like that time to socialize which you know i never considered so thank you for bringing that up steven yeah i miss it i miss uh, the barson time mingling yeah I, I i actually like that you brought it up too because now thinking about it i i really miss that because that would be the time that i would have with my friends to catch up and to it was almost like an effortless way to socialize at least every day that you went into class and to make sure that you were actually talking to people. Now, if I, if I don't reach out to somebody or if somebody doesn't reach out to me over text, then I just don't talk to people besides my family. And that's, it just takes more effort, I guess, mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing because obviously you want friends that are going to put effort into you and that you want to put effort into. But at the same thing, at the same time, it's so much easier to maintain those friendships and to maintain those connections if you're seeing these people on a regular basis. I have a friend that I had every single class with her, or no, four of my classes with her. And so I would see her constantly. And then it just went from that to seeing her, I think I saw her once in the past six months uh, because we met up like maybe one time in the summer when COVID cases were down and that was it. So yeah, it's, it's weird. Wow. I would say I'm extroverted. Uh, even though I used to be very uh, introverted when I was little. So I That's think- That's such a huge contrast. Yeah, I, I was incredibly introverted when I was a kid and I just didn't talk to people cause I just didn't feel like it. Yeah, same here, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but going to university, I just came out of my shell so much just because I found a better community and people that were much more accepting of who I was and it's been weird to kind of revert to that younger version of myself. And, and it's been weird, but also kind of easier because I'm just used to being, I have that experience of being introverted. So even though mm -hmm. I am extroverted, I think it was made a little bit easier by the fact that I used to 
not be that social, if that makes sense. So do you feel like if we were to go when, or when hopefully we go back to uh, in-person classes, will it be, do you think it'll be harder for you to, you know, find that extrovert again? Well, yeah, I remember the first time I met up with um, my best friend after quarantine ended and it was said that it was okay to hang out with people outside. I uh, went to visit my friend and we hung out at a park near her house. And I remember saying to her, this feels really weird. I don't remember how to talk to you like properly. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just feel really jittery and weird and anxious for no good reason because I just haven't talked to anybody outside of my family properly or had a real conversation with anybody that hasn't been over text or phone. So I think it'll definitely be just almost surreal. It'll be really surreal once we get out of all of this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think adjustments going back will be 100% needed in all sense, especially in in making those connections again. Um, I guess for myself, to be honest, I don't I don't think any person is just one way. Uh, so I think this is just a personal opinion of mine is that people are a mix of introverts and extrovert uh, characteristics. And that's what I think of myself. Um, I'm probably, it's hard to say for me, like, I really don't know. I think it could be a 50-50 or it could be more like a uh, a 60 40 type of way 60 leaning to the mm -hmm. introverted side which is to a lot of people can be shocking but you know I, I sort of like I don't go out repeatedly in the same week you know I don't I prefer sometimes just being on my own and you know it's but then at the same time I love being in group settings so I would 100% say I'm I'm pretty much a mix of the both so I can't really say either or that you know that's such a good point because um i feel like sometimes it depends on the people you're you're with i feel like when i'm with quieter people i like that inner extrovert comes out just to like make up for like the the silence or or <laughs> if you're surrounded by people with like like extra energy like you just feel like okay like that energy just comes pops out right but i don't know i feel like sometimes um in especially in like lecture hall settings, it can just be so intimidating uh, when everyone is like, oh, where, which, where do I go, which seat? Um, so like it has, I, I, I would also agree with Samantha and say that I'm not either or it really just depends on the situation. And also just agreeing with Valeria about the, um, like feeling like the pandemic is going to undo some of the progress that I've made to be more extroverted. Mm -hmm. which is like, it's probably a concern for a lot of other people as well. Yeah, like so I wanna, I wanna awesome. piggyback on what Val said earlier. Like mm -hmm. when we get back, like I know I said I need people around me and stuff, but I feel like when people are around me, I'm like, yo, what do I do now? Like, do I yeah. give you a handshake? <laughs> do I argue or something? Do I like, I don't know what to do anymore. Cause like, I'm so used to just like avoiding people now and stuff. Like even like in my neighborhood, like would like, when we cross paths and stuff, we will say hi and good morning, but like, 
like I, I'm like stepping out like into the road to avoid them and stuff. I'm like, yo, this is weird. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is like, still normal, right? I'm like, and then the first time when it happened, I was like, yo, this is weird. Why are you avoiding me? And I was like, oh, right, COVID. <laughs> and then right now it's like I'm avoiding them from like a whole block away. Yeah. Yeah, I think something to keep in mind, if, you know, for anybody listening and for everyone in the in the pod, is um, going back is just don't overthink it. I think we get in our heads a lot, and that could be a situation mm-hmm. now too. Is yeah. you know we're we're home a lot of the time, you know most people are home like twenty four seven. They don't really leave for any particular reason because they don't have a reason to, and mm-hmm. and you know it leaves a lot of time to be to yourself and get in your head. And I think that's something too is coming back out. Don't get into your head too much and just sort of you, you know sort of be like relaxed in the situation don't feel tense about it anymore and like obviously have concerns and be cautious but sort of be like this is going to be a good day i'm going to see this person we're going to do this it's going to be like old times and just think of it that way and you can be much more relaxed in the situation and get back into your 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 old or your old slash current hidden self yeah i feel like that's also easier said than done no, 100%. <laughs> I do agree with what you're saying. It's easier said than done. And I think maybe like a practical way to do that kind of thing is to, just to focus on what maybe the other person is saying. Because I notice that sometimes if I'm in a conversation and I'm too in my head, I won't even realize what the other person is saying. So mm-hmm. in a practical sense, if you want to make sure you're not going into your head too much once you do start to socialize again then try to just really intently listen to people so that way you don't even have the room in your head to ruminate about those things but on another note I think that being alone all the time or not all the time because obviously we have families but you're obviously going to be alone much more than you used to be it's been really good for introspection and I never I've never known myself as well as oh my I know myself God, 100%. now. 100%. I feel so hard on that. Oh I God. feel like that's been across the board for most people a pretty common experience is that they've gotten to know themselves a lot better or either like work on their mental health or work on their fitness or just be able to focus on themselves more because they're not always surrounded by people because we don't really realize how much of the personalities of other people we absorb while we're around them. And so you just become really yourself which is nice. And so I kind of want to make sure I preserve that going back into society, I guess, like (laughs) once I integrate back into society. Uh, So again, pros and cons, good and bad thing. I I like to look at the silver linings of this whole thing because it just makes it a bit more bearable. Yeah, and that's so good that you you bring that up, the introspection, because I feel like the, the pandemic has like fast forwarded a lot of things and like a lot of change in a lot of people. So I'm wondering, like, have you taken this time to learn more about yourself as a learner? Like, have you discovered different things about the way you learn best? Oh man, yeah. Like if anyone knows me, like I'm, I like trying like a different million things. And like with learning, I tried so many different things and like, obviously a lot of things didn't work, but then like, I've, I've never been this like, explorative with like learning and stuff because before i'll just like go to lectures listen to them do stuff at home and just like call it a day but then now Mm -hmm. like there's just so many different resources just there's like watching videos you can listen to stuff you can read stuff 
you can try to manipulate stuff at home and stuff. And uh, I think one course right now that's like doing that like pretty well is people might kind of like flame me for this, but I honestly think like like org the way that org is running this semester, the way how it kind of forces you to to connect things at home, it's it's really helped me with um trying to connect other courses to how things are working at home. And I know it's kind of difficult because like second year is a lot of like specific um like courses and stuff that may not apply. Mm -hmm. But then just like thinking, I've been thinking a lot more about like the why things happen because um that's that, that's one thing that we're losing, right? The, like when the prof was there in front of us, they tell us the why stuff is happening. But not because we lost that. I've been trying to like find that for myself kind of thing. And uh, I think that's just one thing that I'm trying out right now. It might change in the next like I don't know like week maybe, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Learning habits and how to learn material has been quite the adjustment and still still adjusting to it. And I think it just that learning is always going to be a progressive type of situation. Like you could be in your 30s and still not know the best way to go about doing your work. Um, and I think developing those habits early on. So I think I think the one benefit Okay, not the one benefit, but like a benefit of COVID and the quarantine situation. Uh, personally, for me, was being forced into a situation where I have to, I have to amplify this learning process of developing the habits that work for me. And a lot of the habits did say the same for myself, um, which included how I take notes, how I learn. You know, it's hard to change at this age how you learn and what learning styles work best for you because you've been accustomed to learning that way. Well, personally for me, I've been accustomed to learning a certain way since high school, you know. I was very proactive in in, in my learning and I always ask profes uh, professors, <laughs> teachers <laughs> in high school, mm -hmm. like how can I get better because this is not enough or I need more clarification. So I've, I, I learned that early on what would work best for me, but the, with the aspect of being home and online, a lot of it's changed because there's a course that just has no no lecture. It's just slides. And and that, that course in particular is a struggle for me as I need, I'm an individual who needs multiple sources of, for the information. Like I need, the, I need to read and write the information down to attain it mm -hmm. in my memory. I need to hear it most importantly. So like one habit, this is a habit I developed since high school, is I would go through my notes and I would read them verbatim, record it, and then listen to it on my way to school or the night before. And that's what I would do um, for studying or preparing. You know, it's like my, my walk to school was 30 minutes. Okay, I can listen to this material that's gonna be on our final exam. In that, you know, my commute is like an hour and a half. I can listen to stuff like that for university. Honestly, university, I haven't done it because there's just way too much content. But I think I think learning new styles has been probably the most difficult because it, it the material isn't always being delivered in the same way. And so mm -hmm. the way you expected material to be delivered isn't happening. And then it's it's oh great, I have to learn how to study this course, how to learn this stuff while taking it is a huge it can be a huge jump for some people. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely agree with that. And I would say for me, I've always been more of an independent learner, but also I think that's just because I'm really stubborn and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and would always like 
take too much pride in being able to do things myself, which I, I've definitely grown from that. And I'm much more open to receiving help from others and asking questions now. Um, so I'm sorry, Azwa, could you repeat the question one more time? Because I forgot what the original one was. Of course. So I'm, I'm just asking, uh, has the pandemic helped you learn more about yourself as a learner? And have you, what have you learned? Ah, okay. So what I've really learned from all of this is this one technique works pretty well for me. Uh, it's called the Pomodoro technique. And ah, yes. it's based on the idea that maybe 20 minutes of focused work is going to be better than three hours of unfocused work. And it's just really reinforced that idea of work smarter, not harder, because I used to kill mm -hmm. myself and work way too long on something and be over perfectionistic about whatever versus when I give myself the set amount of time to work on something, I just have to crank it out. And that's that. And obviously I'm allowed to go back and fix some things, but that's helped me a lot. So if anybody is listening and would like to try that, I would highly recommend it. They have Pomodoro timers on YouTube that I do all the time. And there's also, there's whole videos of like four hours of people studying in real time that you can watch. Study like with me. I think that's the most lonely quarantine kind of thing I can say, but it works. <laughs> Uh, if like maybe your friends aren't down to FaceTime, because that's what I've also done is I FaceTime my friends and we study together and then we yell at each other when we get unfocused. So that helps as well. Uh, and just I found that my learning is best when I have some form of accountability. And I think that applies to most people. And so it just is a matter of figuring out which form of accountability will work best for you. And for that, for me, that was the Pomodoro and being in like on FaceTime calls with my friends and stuff like that, I think would be best for me. But yeah, uh, again, still depends on how the course is delivered and how the content, how you need to learn the content is really important too. So it yeah. really depends on the course, but I do like, I, I'm the SLG leader for Organic Chem 1 and I do like the way that Brian is running that course. Oh, for sure, yeah. But, oh, and yeah, also from being an SLG leader online. That's been kind of weird, but I find that group study sessions are super helpful. Uh, and it's just nice to feel like you're not the only one that's lost. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that technique. I feel like a lot of people can benefit from that. Um, mm -hmm. And for Samantha and Steven, are there any resources that you've discovered just like Val? Oh man, like discovered, like I made like so many discoveries and stuff. I was like, well, this, this might work, but then I tried it and it didn't work. But I, I think, I think the most important thing to kind of take away from everything is like to understand that um, it's okay if things don't work for you, that work for other people and stuff, and that you have to find what, what works for you. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. um, the Pomodoro technique has been proven to, sh to like work really well, but personally it doesn't work very well for me. Because I'm a very, like, I, I treat studying, like, how you clock into work. Like, I'm a clock in from, like, 9 a.m. to, like, 5 p.m., take a break at 12 kind of thing. Um, so for me, I think one discovery that really worked for me was um, 
make like making like, a ton of questions instead of like listing facts and like treat them like flashcards kind of thing. Because before I would make like a million flashcards for like so like, I'm taking anatomy this semester and I've, I have like over 800 flashcards for it. I'm like, yo, this does not work wow. whatsoever for me. And it's it's only been like four weeks worth of content. So, um, but instead, what I'm trying out is like asking questions about things. So. If it's something about like a certain type of tissue, then I'll ask like, what's the function? What's the characteristic? What does it look like? What's the diagram look like? And I think for me, um, I learn the best by trial and error and realizing what I'm what what my, what my mistake was when I made one. Uh, so like asking questions is, was like the best way for me to recognize that. But again, this is just one thing that kind of worked so far, and I'm probably gonna find something different in a mm -hmm. week or something. So yeah. Yeah, no, Stephen, I love that you said uh, trial and error, because a big thing with Ryan is that I remember in second year, he gave this whole like speech about don't be afraid to fail, because that's how you're going to learn. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people will just be paralyzed by not knowing how to do something that they won't even try it. But that's how you learn is by trying and failing. Right. So I think yeah, hundred percent. Exactly, and I, I remember from lecture. That. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just from uh, lecture, he said to us like he shared something as one of his students wrote to him uh, that semester, and it was, "It does not end here if it does not end well." And to me, that was like I remember he talked about his experience with like organic chem himself, and um, you know how he he failed the course originally. Uh, when he took it as an undergrad and that was so eye-opening for me and to think about that like this is not the end if it doesn't go like end well here was like mind-blowing <laughs> yes it's some of the pressure off yeah for sure going off of what everyone said trial and error for learning styles is very important like in the summer i was trying to start studying for the MCAT, but I had so much going on with with other, like personal life with student groups and, and with school starting up. And, you know, I tried the Pomodoro technique and for me personally, it didn't work um, because I found that's like, I can't regain attention that fast. And I can't, mm -hmm. I feel like I don't accomplish enough by sitting down. So I think like what works for me is you know, Google Calendar can be your best friend because you can time block and set up recurring events. So that's what I've sort of done is every week I have a recurring event and I study certain courses at the same time every single week and I and I contribute a certain amount of time. I'll do 45 minutes to two hours. And that's sort of like from from my friend who, who took a course for or registered for some course that gave information about how to, to prepare for the MCAT. They're like, 45 minutes to two hours is an ample study time. And then you take half an hour to an hour break, depending on the time length. And that's sort of how I set up my studying. And that seems to work good for me because like there's individuals who can study for super long periods of times and who can study with short periods of time with frequent breaks and just continuously like that. And I'm not one of those individuals. I'm the individual who can sit down. I can sit down for a couple hours at most, but then I need a break somewhere but I can't sit down for like 25 minutes and then do something 
as a break for like five minutes and hop back in. I can't do that either. So I found that that was a good middle ground. But like Stephen was saying, trial and error is the way to go. You know, you have to learn what is best for you. And it also, like we've mentioned before, comes down to learning style because depending how you learn, it can change what works for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's brains are just mm -hmm. so structurally different as well, like in the way that your neural pathways work, it's going to be completely different from mine. And so we're going to have different things that work for us. I think with the Pomodoro thing, what I, what works for me is just making sure to rest those entire five minutes that you have a break. Like I don't try to do a different task. I just rest and I do nothing. And I accept that like, point, yeah. this is my time to do nothing. I don't see it as a time to go like maybe vacuum really quickly or make my bed or something. No, I'm doing nothing. This is rest. And I'm just going to maybe drink some water and sit down. That's kind of it. <laughs> um, but uh, what was the other thing that I wanted to say? Uh, oh, also in terms of like trying and trial and error with like study techniques, you don't need to be perfect at any of these things. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Even like, it doesn't have to be perfect for it to work for you. And if you put so much pressure on yourself, to make it perfect, it's just going to create anxiety around yeah. the event itself, and your brain is going to associate mm -hmm. anxiety with that technique. And if, then, of course, it's not going to work because mm -hmm. it's just going to make you anxious, right? Yeah. And then I think what's important to keep note is when you're trying to figure out what works for you, it's, you know, maybe this technique sort of works. Maybe make adjustments to it so then it, it can work better for you. So, like, maybe maybe uh, 25 minutes is, is too short. Okay, maybe go up to 35, you know? Yeah, also ones that are, like, 45 minutes of studying and then 15 minutes of break. You can yeah. do that as well. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just about, again, trial and error. Don't be afraid to get some things wrong, to mess something up, because humans are inherently flawed. We're not going to be perfect when we do these things. These are some awesome te techniques that everyone's mentioned. And I just want to add on to like what Samantha was talking about with the Google Calendar. You know, during this uh, quarantine, I finally synced my own calendar with my Ryerson email. It took like two years for me to finally realize that, you know, maybe that's a good idea. And I just remembered, um, I, do you guys remember Psy 180? Yeah. <laughs> I remembered like that uh, assignment that we had to do where we had to like schedule every Everything. block of time. Yeah. Right? And I was, oh I was like surprised. God. I forgot about that. That was so long. I'm so old. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had his like voice in my head um, and I just sat down one day and I just scheduled an entire day and I found that it helped because like normally like I would make a thousand excuses for why I couldn't get something done. I'd be like, oh, my class was really early in the morning and I'm coming home really late and I'm tired. And like with quarantine, like all that just went out the window and I was like, well, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe it's not like some external like factor. So I had to like be really honest with myself. Yeah, I want to piggyback off that real quick. Like before I was like, oh, I can't work out because I don't have enough time or I can't learn this thing that I really want to learn because I don't have enough time or like yeah. I can't read because I have no time. And I'm like, but then um, one of my buddies, he schedules every like 
30 minutes of his life. And I was like, you're freaking crazy. And <laughs> but then, I, yeah, that's Eduardo. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, <laughs> that he was like, but look at how much I do and stuff. I'm like, okay. And then I, and then I tried to make an excuse for like, I, like, I'm, I'm definitely more spontaneous and stuff with like, with like my day. And then he was like, but still you need, need to have some sort of like physical representation of your plan of the day to show that like you have mm-hmm. this much time on your hands. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And like, <laughs> I, I didn't try it. Cause I, I, I still thought it was like a bunch of BS, but then I scheduled today. And like, I was like, dang, I actually have a lot of time. And maybe the time that I waste in between things is just like my own issue and stuff, right? And I think it came a lot from high school because like I played a lot of games in high school and like it didn't really matter if you played games or not because you still get like 100 on the test. But then um, I think being really conscious of what you're doing during certain times is really important. And not to get too hard on yourself because at first I was like, damn, maybe I, I just waste a lot of time and maybe I'm just like really lazy. But then I think the easier I was on myself, it was easier for me to make that um, transition into it. And I just want to piggyback off of what Steven was saying about, and like, I guess what everyone's saying about scheduling in the calendar. I think it's important to, yes, have a schedule. But personally, what I find overwhelming is when my whole day has blocks of color somewhere. Like, if I had a whole day planned from like 8 a.m. to 11.30 at night, which is how my days go, I think I'd be very overwhelmed if it was like all full. And so I find comfort in having those white spaces to be sort of like, this is when I eat, or this is when I have free time. You can't see me, but I'm doing like air quotes, free time to either work on something else I need to work on or, you know, just sort of relax and do something else. But, uh, and then I think Steven, Steven mentioned working out. And then honestly, for me, as I pencil in my workouts, because Anything that's going to be dedicated, like you are 100% dedicated to doing this every day, should be something that gets penciled into your calendar if you're going to do a calendar. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you don't know what you're doing in your break time. Honestly, if you have break time, don't even put it in as your calendar as a break. Just leave it as white space because having a full calendar is just going to be overwhelming to look at. Like... So I say, you know, leave some white space there. It gives you more flexibility. You're like, maybe you don't want to break. Maybe you want to do something else in that time. So I think leaving some white space where it's not the dedicated absolute, this is what needs to get done is important. Yeah, I think it's also a huge balance between self-discipline and self-care and self-understanding and not being too hard on yourself. But at the same time, as science students, we need to get our stuff done. We need to, we want the grades <laughs> that we want. We're gonna have to put the work in at this level. There's only so many ways you can BS it, right? Exactly. But what I do <laughs> love about Google Calendar is that it just makes me not have to think about something. What I love is like writing things down. I have a small notebook that every week on Sunday, I write everything, like every single little thing that I want to get done that week or that could get done that week. Maybe like I can push it to the next week if it's not super urgent. Mm -hmm. But what I love about doing that and then also planning out my week with Google Calendar is it takes that overwhelming feeling of having so many things to do and you see it all laid out and you're like, okay, well, I have enough time to get all this done. I don't need to be that worried anymore because I know how I'm going to get this done. I have a plan and there's more than enough time for me to finish everything that I need to do. And again, like, like you said, I really like to make sure I 
have some of that white space so that I can like have a little bit of wiggle room if I need it, if I'm not having the best day or something just pops up, if I have some other responsibilities that I forgot, then it's not the end of the world. But also just, it takes the thinking out of it. Once you yeah. put it on paper and you put it on Google Calendar, I just look at my phone or I look at my laptop and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing today. Exactly. You know, so thinking about it the night before and it keeping you up or making you anxious you just have it there. It's already done for you, right? Exactly. Especially with like, you can set recurring events and then you develop that habit. And so as over time, it gets easier to be in that cycle and routine. And another thing I wanted to add is get a whiteboard calendar. They're going to be your best friends, not to write down your courses or your scheduled times. I use my whiteboard calendar to write down things not related to school sort of like, okay, I have work on the weekend, so I, I'll write my shift down there, you know, and then I'll do deadlines on the whiteboard calendar versus my Google calendar, because I don't want to crowd it. I don't want to be like, oh, when is this due? And then just try and search through the days because Google calendar, one downside is like, you can't see everything at once. Sure, unless yeah. you like. So having that whiteboard calendar on my wall, so RCU has them. So when we are back in person, go get one. Um, but it's like, oh, I color coded it red. I have a deadline on Friday. I have a deadline on Monday. I have a deadline in two weeks. You know, it's easy to look at. It's right beside my desk. And that's another thing is if you have that type of physical calendar, keep it in your line, your view site of when you're doing work. If oh, it's right now, like beside my desk. And it's so nice because I know what's coming next week. I don't have to, when you have all these things written down, and in front of you and accessible to you, it's so much easier to just take the stress out of everything that you need to do because it's already, like I said, laid out for you. And you, you just look at it. You don't have to be scrolling through a bunch of different course outlines trying to figure out when your due dates are. You're just, it's just there. Exactly. And I think that's so important with being online because you're not, you don't have that in-person aspect where someone's constantly reminding you of something. Like you talk to your classmates, hey, are you ready for this upcoming quiz? You don't have that interaction anymore. And I think mm -hmm. taking advantage of as much, um, you know, planners or uh, the, you know, different uh, programs on your computer that can do that for you is great. Like I even have an Excel document going where I have all of my, so this is a new thing I picked up actually. So it's related to, to the new, new skills and learning habits. Um, so I have all of my deadlines in order and when, and I have conditional formatting included in it. So everything is color coded based on what type of assignment it is. And, and when it's done or if it's partially in the works, I'll type that in and that box will turn a certain color and it'll let me know, hey, yeah, I've handed this in. So black is when it's completed and I have blue for when it's partially done. So I know I can go there as well to see like, have I even started this? Oh, that's so nice. Boy, that's sick. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I might try that. If you have a name for it, just like set it. <laughs> I don't know how to like, it's, it's super easy to set up conditional formatting. Um, you know, you just, you set up a box, you select all this. So when you do it, it's like, you set the condition you want. So cells containing this text get this fi filled with this color and then you just select all the cells. And then as you type that word in, it'll it'll be highlighted once you leave it. And then you just or sort based on the date. And it's super easy and super simple. And I think something that, that gets lost, especially for science students is learning to use Excel. 
in all its depth and ranges. Um, I, I used Logger Pro for physics because that was what we were using in lab. So it was the only thing that made sense to me at the time because it had been years since I had touched Excel. Because in high school, I'm not really using Excel unless I'm in my business course and I hadn't taken business in a couple of years. These are some awesome, awesome techniques, guys. Thank you so much for sharing them. Just to wrap up now, as of now, Ryerson is planning on moving forward with online classes for the winter semester. So what are some things that you think that professors can build on, improve, oh. or entirely scrap for the winter? I can already uh, tell that there's going to yeah. be some <laughs> <laughs> I, Who um, wants to go first? If you, if you don't mind. You can go first. Because um, I think the number one thing um, for not, not just profs, also students, is to be compassionate within one another and not to blame anyone for anything because i feel like we have a habit where we blame others for like our mistakes and stuff that's pretty natural i think because like you may hear some students like oh because um because this person's doing it this way that's why i'm doing bad right like there's obviously mm -hmm. power in, in your position to change that and stuff but then yeah, I also have to understand, like, this might be the process first time using Zoom, might be the first time delivering stuff online, right? But then same thing with profs, too. This is our first time, probably our first time doing stuff online, and it's our first time trying to adjust uh, towards your sort of schedule and stuff. And as long as, like, on both ends, we both understand that, like, things are going to happen out of our power and that we won't blame each other for it. We'll just listen to each other instead. Um, I think that's when we can one be more like communicative with each other and more understanding to each other and i think that's just how we're going to find more success because like um if one one party is blaming the other party for something then nothing's going to get done it's just gonna be a bunch of like stupid arguments and like rants from either side right like i'm sure you had you heard some rants from students or, or profs even that like either one we're procrastinating and that that's the reason why we can't get stuff done but like yeah we're at home we have a lot of time but um, the way that we structure our day is also our family's day. If we're living at home. It's also like any other sort of like party members at home that we have to help and deal with. And like for profs, we have to, we have to understand as students that this is their first time doing it. And, uh, we have to like, let them kind of be creative and like do their own thing to, um, seek the best out of students and stuff. Yeah. And just going off of what Steven said, I guess I'll give my, thoughts for moving forward and we all have to be understanding of one another students profs profs to students um and i think with that it comes with taking criticism and making adjustments and you know you see the profs that do that they they you know you have students emailing either their course union or the professors directly and it's like hey this style isn't working out for me is there something you suggest i could do or is there any way you could alter part of the course operations and i think something that i've noticed through the years is professors get very defensive sometimes depend it really depends on the professor though because some professors are so open and so honest and so there for you um mm -hmm. but then you have those professors who are just like nope this is what i was told to do so i'm going to do it and yeah you can't be defensive it's not going to help whatsoever exactly and i think as professors especially in this situation is 
hear your students. Your students are the ones who are going through it. Yes, you may have taken courses during the summer. I know there's a few professors who did that with, about online learning, what to do, and there's this new idea of flipped learning, but take the feedback you're getting from your students. They're the ones going through this. You know, you're, you're just posting material. You're just teaching. Your job, yes, it has changed, but it's essentially the same. It, the, yes, there are changes. I understand there's the adjustment to online. Some people are very analog. You know, they've never used Zoom. But I think what's so important is to understand that your students have a lot more going on. And just because we're home, we don't mm -hmm. have more time. And I think when somebody approaches you to be open to that discussion and not shut them down immediately and be like, no, this is what I was told. And you know, or get very defensive about it and, and make claims saying, no, everybody's excelling. Okay, everyone's excelling, but then on my end, I so I'm in the course union, so we get a bunch of feedback um, from students. And it's like, on my end, I'm having multiple students in this situation. And you're saying everyone's excelling and okay, yeah, that's based off of what? Grades when we're online? <laughs> you know, maybe it's not them learning, but them, like it's open book, whatever tests or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. I think going forward for the winter semester is one, like Stephen was saying, understanding Two, professors need to be very open minded and be accommodating to students when they make um, when they uh, voice their concerns to to them and ask for help. And then three, Something that isn't really discussed about anywhere, I find. Like it is, but it isn't. It sort of sort of feels like taboo to me sometimes is is the mental health aspect of it and understand how your words can impact an individual. And I think professors, some professors get very careless with the words they choose to use. And and students do as well. Students are on that end as well. And I think mm -hmm the way you communicate is so important and being from having experience of being in a role where I have to communicate with students and professors, it's <clears throat> learning that and understanding, hey, your words have impact. Saying somebody is being lazy by not wanting to do the work oh, man, yeah. is the worst feeling in the world when you have other stuff going on. And I think that's something to understand is, is putting yourself in that student's perspective or maybe the professor's perspective. But in this case, I'm talking directly for students. It's the student is in a different environment. They're at home. Maybe they don't have a great home life. You know, Maybe they have other stuff going on that's interfering with their stuff. So when they approach you, don't say, you still have to do the work. Don't say they're just being lazy and don't wanna read the textbook. Don't say stuff like that because that's not the case at all. We're in a high demand program. If we were lazy and didn't wanna do the work, we would not be here. And I, and I think that going forward as a whole, not even just professors, but as a faculty, as a university, I feel like co communication should be something very improved upon between professors and students because okay, yeah, you have students who have accommodations and those are voiced, but like even so professors mm -hmm. don't watch what they say in that situation and not, they don't have a, and, and people are like, well, I don't know what's going on with them. Well, you don't need to know what's going on with them. You shouldn't have to, to speak to somebody in a respectful manner without making accusations that could be detrimental. And I think the university as a whole should implement some sort of training that works on 
on communicating in a way that doesn't have repercussions for the students or the professor. I love that you brought that up. I, I really agree with what both you and Stephen are saying. First, with being understanding and compassionate towards other people in their situations. And also to remember, you don't know what's happening in somebody's family life. You don't know if they live in a stable mm -hmm. household. You don't know if their parents are even nice to them, if their siblings are nice to them, if they live in a very unstable home environment. That can really impact your learning. And a lot of the time, like I'll say like straight up, even me, whenever I've had like issues at home, I go to school and I bury myself in my work and I just stay at school and study yeah. because I won't want to be home. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's like, I think that's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it seems pretty taboo, but I think it's very normal for people to have issues in their home. Um, yeah, for sure. Not always like, I, I don't want it to be like normalized as in like, this is okay, but it's just a thing that happens. It's just mm -hmm. reality. And for professors to forget that and to think that everything is going to be all fine and peachy just because you're home. Oh, you have all this time. You're obviously like, you have all this time. You can work on hours and hours of this material with no issue. And it's fine for me to expect that of you. And like, obviously, again, we're in a demanding program. Mm -hmm. And as students, we need to understand that we need to do the work. We need to put the work in if we want the marks that we want. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like on the professor's end, you can't kill us either. <laughs> um, don't bury us alive here. Yeah, don't bury us alive, but also at the same time, like, yeah, like keep it a little bit challenging because at the same time, like I'm here yeah. to learn, I'm paying all this tuition. Exactly. And, and I, oh, I hate the, and I wish, I, all I wish is that there were in-person labs. I know that's not feasible right now, especially with cases going up but I wish there were in-person labs because I hate the fact that I'm gonna be paying for tuition for labs that are online and also the fact that tuition hasn't changed. That was, but still, that's just, oh yeah, God. That, that reminded me of another. That I wanted to. Uh, that, <laughs> but no, yeah, sorry. I, I really agree with the principles that you guys have been saying about compassion and thing and I keep nodding my head while you guys are talking. So, uh, and then also making sure to take care of your own mental health. And I know I'm going to make a more conscious effort to do is to make sure to take care of my own mental health throughout the winter semester, especially because during the colder months, you're more like you're getting less sunlight, especially without seeing people as much. It's going to be much easier for you to just feel drained or feel fatigued or feel really out of it, especially when you're like trudging through midterms you're trudging through finals and you just feel exhausted but you can't really especially if you're an extrovert and you get your energy from that like you can't really refill your energy that way anymore so it's it's difficult and i think that we really should make sure we still create spaces where we can socialize uh and still be a part of the ryerson community because that's super important especially now if not it's just gonna because if we don't, then it's just not going to happen. Like we need to create those spaces or, or else it's just not going to exist anymore because we're all at home. Yeah, exactly. And then just going off what you said about the lab portion, like that resonates with me a lot because I, I, I think professors 
also, and, and lab coordinators, what you need to remember is we're students and we want the most out of the experience that we are here at university. We're paying money for this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think some important thought to keep in mind is make sure the experience you're providing students is equivalent to what they would be getting in person, as equivalent as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're that, paying the same amount. We still want to be getting the same level of education. We don't want to be getting subpar education for thousands of dollars that we're paying yearly, right? Exactly. And then it's and they're like, well, you we can't be in person in lab. Okay, cool. But there's so many alternatives. There's you could have where a TA, you know, in a day in the lab instead of working on their project, maybe you go through the experiments. You have each TA go through the experiments, videotape themselves going through it. So students actually can see how it's done and, and watch that and actually gain some knowledge from it. Because I think that's super important is to just be able to see something too being done for you. It, it can be so beneficial. Exactly. And, you know, a phrase that was like really used a lot at the beginning of the pandemic is that, you know, we're all going through this together. But... Uh, what we're going through, you know, that looks a lot different for a lot different people. So we're not, we don't all have the same experience of this pandemic. And, you know, I think that's really important that professors consider that because we may be going through it together, but what we're going through looks different. Yeah, I think another thing I want to add on to that, it's like, uh, I think another thing that needs to be understood is that even in for examinations, quizzes, and tests and stuff, we have to start it, and we're not. And the, 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 the sort of thing that I'm trying to get towards is that, like, um, there's a lot of anxiety, even just like pressing start quiz or like start the midterm, right? And like, for personally, for me, like, I held off starting a midterm for like five plus hours because I was super nervous. Like, when I press that button right there, I have to start it and only have 20 minutes to do it. There needs to be. Mm -hmm greater grace periods and more compassion towards these students because maybe we aren't self-driven to start these things. Maybe we need someone there to push towards us or push us to do something, right? Like when it was in person, we were forced to go to this location for the exam at this time. But now it's sort of like up to us when we want to start it. And I think that adds a different level of like anxiety and um, yeah <laughs> exactly i think something to keep in mind going off that is just maintaining structure because right now our lives are very unstructured and i think having that introduced is beneficial while being accommodating to those who maybe you know going off of what valerio is saying about home life it's like maybe their home life isn't ideal you know maybe yeah. maybe this individual because of the COVID pandemic lost their job and is now working so many multiple jobs are you know struggling to make ends meet and and that's things another things props have to consider is you don't know what's going on but being accommodating to all situations you know hey if you cannot and i think this got lost this got lost in translation is the makeup examinations you know mm -hmm. so like <laughs> why my one friend is like she she has a religious observance and her prof was not going to accommodate it for the quiz and just drop it as one because they have two quizzes that can be dropped but that's not fair if she's physically unable to take the quiz because of her religious observance and I, and I think that's something to remember going forward is is the people with the academic accommodations or or, or religious observance or whatever else you know it's it just remember to be accommodating and offer that makeup that makeup exam because I don't even hear that talk it's like oh if you missed the examination for whatever reason you can do it on this day and I get it it's online 
you don't want people cheating. But at the same time, it's maybe this day just does not work for this person because, you know, maybe this person has three jobs and they're going from job to job to job on that specific day. And it's like, this is such a stressful time for them. I think offering that makeup examination is also something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that a, a big tool that profs could use is just directly ask the students what works for them. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it's so much easier than trying to assume and then it not working out and then you having to change it. If you ask the students from the get-go, you're probably going to get a much better outcome if you include everybody in the conversation. And also with what Samantha said about maintaining that sense of structure, I found that courses that implement a source of structure and implement like at least some like consistency that forces you to do a certain amount of work, like a, a bare minimum amount of work every week has helped me so much in keeping on track. If not, I don't think, like, I think I would procrastinate mm-hmm. much more than, than I, I would be healthy or that would be like <laughs> safe. Yeah. Uh, I, I just really, I've been so appreciative of all the profs that have implemented those kinds of, um, like maybe weekly quizzes or things like that, or like, like small things that won't, that don't like stress you out so much, but they keep you on top of your game. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Sure. I think uh, just one last thing I want to voice is like, um, like I understand that like when things are online, um, profs are worried that stuff is that we're going to do stuff open book. Right. And like, I think it's important to know that, like yeah we need good grades and stuff and yeah like um open book stuff will may or may not help us get a higher grade but i think it's important to note that we're not like going to like start cheating right away because we're still wanting to take this knowledge and apply it on like what we know and like i i think it's pretty prejudiced of profs to say like you're gonna cheat right away Mm -hmm. like when they like when they start the course they're gonna say like this is gonna be like, we're going to do it the XYZ way because you guys are going to cheat. Like, I think it's not fair to the students that the prof thinks that we're going to be cheating, like, right away. Because we still want to apply these things for future courses, future labs, future projects and stuff. And I think it's important to know that, like, not everyone's going to cheat. And that's not, like how, like, how we are, like, from, like, on the surface and stuff. Like, we still have a lot of things that we want to apply with this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like they probably don't mean it like that, but I, I get why it would make somebody feel that way. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it goes back to what Sam said, right? Like she yeah, said, it's that also just language for students, right? Language is super important. Like if they voice like that, that's how I feel about it, right? But if they yeah. voice in a way like where like they where, where they're trying to be understanding and stuff, then yeah, I wouldn't really care if they talked about it because that's just policy, right? <laughs> but the way that you voice things and stuff is like super important, like what she said. Exactly. But yeah, you got a good point, though. Yeah, and just and just going off of that real quick is uh, about voices. Is one how you use your voice is important, but two, making sure you hear others' voices and you're not just quieting them down is so important in this time when you have no other interaction going on. And I think letting students have a voice is so important in this process. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Or also giving students incentive to participate, I found is really nice. Uh, I have a Spanish course that you get participation marks because like you usually would anyways in a language course, but 
I found that that makes it so much easier to engage in the course and feel like I'm not just sitting there watching somebody talk to me for an hour. Yeah, I actually get to <laughs> practice my Spanish and talk to other people my age that maybe I don't know as much because that's a lot of what I miss is meeting new people because I, I get a lot of fun out of that. I just, I think it's, I just think it's fun, honestly, that to meet new people and to make new connections and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, I, I expect that a lot. And uh, I think it helps when you give students incentive to talk to people because obviously like it's, it's just, we're starved for it at this point, <laughs> depending whether you're introverted or extroverted. Yeah. People might be like literally do not want to make it all, but depends. I, I think what also on that note is yes, people, you want to limit isolation and yes, but having, I think there has to be a purpose to, especially with breakout rooms is there has to be a purpose. If you're sending me in there to discuss something related to the course, that you went over that I have an understanding to be able to discuss it and not just sit there looking at five other people or whoever else is in this group, not knowing what to say is important because you're making these breakout groups. Chances are, I don't know half the people in them. And, you know, if it's not a facilitated type of discussion, I think it can just be uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I think one thing to, to, to remember too, is maybe people aren't in an environment where they can talk you know, maybe they have to stay muted. And yeah. I think that's something to consider too. Like, or, you know, I have a class and they do breakout rooms at 8 a.m. in the morning and it's like, I can't function right now. It's 8 a.m. I understand you don't want me to feel isolated and you want me to have human contact of some sort, but I don't know anybody in this group. It's 8 a.m. I'm not a morning person, you know, it's, and, and there's no facilitated discussion. It's like, talk with your peers, see how they're doing. And I'm like, no offense, but right now I don't care. <laughs> I wanna go back to bed and that's my mind. Mm -hmm. And, I, and yeah. I think having facilitated discussion would be better, more, related to the course is more beneficial. And then from there, it could extend onwards. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a different perspective on that just cause for me, again, I'm probably a little bit more extroverted than you may be in that sense, because I just kind of jump at the, thing of talking to people. And usually if I notice that people aren't talking as much, I'll try to start the conversation in some way, or I'll start prodding and asking questions to get other people to talk about themselves. So that's what I usually do. But at, again, at the same time, it's, it's different strokes, different folks, depends exactly a lot, like because everybody is so individual. But yeah, I, I get what you mean about having like a specific topic to talk about. It makes it so much easier. This has been such an awesome conversation, you know, a much needed conversation. And hopefully our listeners and, you know, maybe professors can take away something from this conversation and maybe it can facilitate even more conversations. I want to thank my panelists once again, uh, Stephen, Val and Samantha for being here today and sharing your experiences and some resources that our listeners can use and your thoughts on what we can do going forward. Thank you so yeah, much. And thank you for having us. It's, it's been yeah. a total blast. And I, I always love talking about these things. And thanks, Sam and Val, for um, the, the discussion stuff today. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks for having me again. Um, I really enjoyed doing these. And it was a great discussion between the four of us here today. 
Yeah, I feel like uh, we probably all definitely got some stuff off our chest too. <laughs> and, uh, I, I I hope that anybody listening, this can be helpful in some way or another. But yeah, thank you for having me. This is super fun. <laughs>